0: Imagine if a wealthy couple walked into your church one day and and offered your pastor a check for the proceeds of the sale of their home so that the church's ministry might be well-funded into the future. And what if, as they walked out of the pastor's office, both of them simultaneously dropped dead? Would your hair stand on end? Would you blame the pastor for poisoning them? Well, what thoughts would go through your mind? Well, let's talk about a couple in the Bible that that happened to. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan, and this is Wisdom A2A, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition, one episode at a time. Who are you who are so wise? In the book of Acts, there's a fascinating and a bewildering story about the early church. The spirit of God had transformed the lives of so many people that they were giving freely of their time all of their talents and abilities and their money for the work uh, that would advance the gospel. Uh, There was this wealthy man whose name was Barnabas and he sold a field that he owned and he brought the entire uh, proceeds to the apostles for the ministries of the church. Now this sort of generosity marked the early church so much that Luke tells us that there was not a needy person among them. Because many landowners sold their property and their houses and gave that money to the ministry. Now, one such couple was Ananias and Sapphira, but something was different about them. They sold their property and they kept back some of the proceeds for themselves. Now, that by itself was not a problem. Um, that's, That's not what got them into difficulty with God. God's problem was that when Ananias brought the money to Peter, he told Peter that it was 100% all of the proceeds of the sale. And that's when the Holy Spirit told Peter that was a lie. The Spirit told Peter that Ananias held back some of those proceeds and pretended that it was all of it. Now understand, it was perfectly legitimate for Ananias to take some of the proceeds for himself for for his family. The property belonged to them. But it was perfectly illegitimate for Ananias to present himself as more generous than he actually was. Now some commentators speculate that he and his wife conspired this way for show uh, so that they'd look really good, as generous as say Barnabas, but without any of the substance. The minute Peter confronted Ananias with these words, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And Ananias promptly fell down dead. When Sapphira came in, she was uh, she confirmed the, the same story as her husband, and she too died immediately. Now, I think Luke may have had a little bit of cheekiness in him when he wrote a few verses later in the story. He added this comment: "Now, many people, uh, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people uh, by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's porch, uh, portico. But none of the rest dared join them." but the people held them in high esteem. No wonder they didn't want to join it. Seemed like if you went to that church, if you're lying, you're dying. Now, what are we to make of this chilling story? Well, I had a friend write in about this uh, episode, uh, for this episode and, and he asked this question, what kind of Christians were these? Were they even saved? Now, the first and most fundamental pr- uh, principle in biblical interpretation is to ask what did Luke, the inspired author of this book of Acts, intend to communicate with this particular story. As the writer, Luke's intention is all that matters to us because it is also God's intention in communication to us. So that means we should seek to answer only those questions for which the author wanted us to ask. And in my view, that question immediately takes off the table any judgment about their salvation. Now, if Luke wanted to say, you know, when you see this sort of punishment happen in your church, it's because these people were never saved. He could have said that, and then we would know. But he didn't, and so we don't. Luke's intention is to show how the church thrived in persecution from the outside and then satanic opposition from the inside. Since Satan couldn't stop Jesus from rising from the grave, his new goal was to put an end to the church, to crush it before the uh, gospel ever got going. Satan hated the joy, the freedom, the gospel gossiping of the church people and the generosity that was practiced. He hated the church's unity most of all, and he was determined to bring as much chaos and confusion as he could to draw disciples away from Christ. The important thing to keep in mind is what Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Their sin wasn't keeping back some of the money for themselves, oh no, but lying to the Spirit of God. Remember, it was Peter who later wrote that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. And then Peter said, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Now, some people are horrified that God would be that severe in his judgment on this couple. Uh, But the late Pastor John Stott points out the three lessons that Luke intended for us to learn. First, the gravity of sin. The sin of this couple wasn't against Peter. Ultimately, it was against a holy God. Their deceit was hypocrisy, a particularly odious sin to God. It was also a sin against the church because the community of God's people who are redeemed and gathered uh, would be undermined by this couple's falsehood. Second, we should be concerned about the importance of the conscience. The Christian is to walk in the light, meaning to live a transparent and honest life before God and in the company of other believers. An authentic gospel-centered church must live in such a way as to never allow any shade of mistrust to demoralize the fellowship of believers or to dishonor God. Live open and transparent lives. And the third lesson, the final one, is this. Church discipline matters. Laxity in the purity of the church will ruin the testimony of the church and bring disrepute to Christ. Legalism in the church will cause it to suffer the hardening of the arteries. Hearts become cold and callous in a legalistic church. Church discipline is a healthy and loving ministry by the leaders of a church because it is ultimately redemptive. It, It calls an erring brother or sister to repentance and to come back into the fellowship with Christ and with the church. And then John Stock concludes with this important comment. We have seen that if the devil's first tactic was to destroy the church by force from without, that is, from the outside, through persecution, his second was to destroy it by falsehood from within. He's not given up the attempt, whether by the hypocrisy of those who profess but do not practice, or by the stubbornness of those who sin but do not repent. The church must persevere in vigilance. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for joining me, and thanks to Steve Dyan behind the camera as we team up to make another episode of Wisdom 828 to stamp out spiritual malnutrition. You be of good cheer.